0: letter thirty eight of pamela volume two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org pamela volume two by samuel richardson letter thirty eight from mrs b to miss darnford in answer to letters thirty five and thirty six my dear miss darnford i skip over the little transactions of several days to let you know how much you rejoice me in telling me sir simon has been so kind as to comply with my wishes both your most agreeable letters came to my hand together and i thank you a hundred times for them and i thank your dear mamma and sir simon too for the pleasure they have given me in this obliging permission how happy shall we be but how long will you be permitted to stay though all the winter i hope and then when that is over let us set out together if god shall spare us directly for lincolnshire and to pass most of the summer likewise in each other's company what a sweet thought is this let me indulge it a little while mr b read your letters and says you are a charming young lady and surpass yourself in every letter i told him that he was more interested in the pleasure i took in this favour of sir simon's than he imagined as how my dear said he a plain case sir replied i for endeavouring to improve myself by miss darnford's conversation and behaviour i shall every day be more worthy of your favour he kindly would have it that nobody no not miss darnford herself excelled me tis right you know miss that mr b should think so though i must know nothing at all if i was not sensible how inferior i am to my dear miss darnford and yet when i look abroad now and then i could be a proud slut if i would and not yield the palm to many others well my dear miss sunday is past and gone as happy as the last the two ladies and at their earnest request sir jacob bearing us company in the evening part my polly was there morning and evening with her heart broken almost poor girl i put her in a corner of my closet that her concern should not be minded mrs jarvis gives me great hopes of her Sir Jacob was much pleased with our family order, and said t'was no wonder I kept so good myself, and made others so and he thought the four rakes for he run on how much they admired me would be converted if they saw how well i passed my time and how cheerful and easy every one as well as myself was under it he said when he came home he must take such a method himself in his family for he believed it would make not only better masters and mistresses but better children and better servants too but poor gentleman he has i doubt a great deal to mend in himself before he can begin such a practice with efficacy in his family monday in the afternoon sir jacob took his leave of us highly satisfied with us both and particularly so he said with me and promised that my two cousins as he called his daughters and his sister an old maiden lady if they went to town this winter should visit me and be improved by me that was his word mr b accompanied him some miles on his journey and the two ladies and lord davers and i took an airing in the coach mr b was so kind as to tell me when he came home with a whisper that miss goodwin presented her duty to me i have got a multitude of fine things for the dear little creature and mr b promises to give me a dairy-house breakfast when our guests are gone i enclose the history of this little charmer by mr b s consent since you are to do us the honour as he as well as i pleases himself to be one of our family but keep it to yourself whatever you do i am guarantee that you will and have put it in a separate paper that you may burn it when read for i may want your advice on this subject having a great desire to get this child in my possession and yet lady davers has given a hint that dwells a little with me when i have the pleasure i hope for i will lay all before you and be determined and proceed as far as i have power by you you my good father and mother have seen the story in my former papers tuesday you must know i pass over the days thus swiftly not that i could not fill them up with writing as amply as i have done the former but intending only to give you a general idea of our way of life and conversation and having gone through a whole week and more you will be able from what i have recited to form a judgment how it is with us one day with another as for example now and then neighbourly visits received and paid needlework between whiles music cards sometimes though i don't love them one more benevolent round improving conversations with my dear mr b and my two good ladies a lesson from him when alone either in french or latin a new pauper case or two a visit from the good dean mr williams's departure in order to put the new projected alteration in force which is to deprive me of my chaplain by the way the dean is highly pleased with this affair and the motives to it mr adams being a favourite of his and a distant relation of his lady mr h s and Polly's mutual endeavour to avoid one another my lessons to the poor girl and cautions as if she were my sister these my dear miss darnford and my honoured parents are the pleasant employments of our time so far as we females are concerned for the gentlemen hunt ride out and divert themselves in their way and bring us home the news and occurrences they meet with abroad and now and then a straggling gentleman they pick up and their diversions and so i shall not enlarge upon these articles after the tedious specimens i have already given wednesday thursday could you ever have thought my dear that husbands have a dispensing power over their wives which kings are not allowed over the laws i have had a smart debate with mr b and i fear it will not be the only one upon this subject can you believe that if a wife thinks a thing her duty to do which her husband does not approve he can dispense with her performing it and no sin shall lie at her door mr b maintains this point i have great doubts about it particularly one that if a matter be my duty and he dispenses with my performance of it whether even although that were to clear me of the sin it will not fall upon himself and a good wife would be as much concerned at this as if it was to remain upon her yet he seems set upon it what can one do did you ever hear of such a notion before of such a prerogative in a husband would you care to subscribe to it he says the ladies are of his opinion i'm afraid they are and so will not ask them but perhaps i mayn't live and other things may happen and so i'll say no more of it at present friday mr h and my lord and lady davers and the excellent countess of c having left us this day to our mutual regret the former put the following letter into my hands with an air of respect and even reverence he says he spells most lamentably and this obliges me to give it you literally dear good madam i cannot content myself with common thanks on leaving yours and mr b s hospitable house because of that there affair which i need not mention and truly am ashamed to mention as i have been to look you in the face ever since it happened i don't know how it came about but i thought but at first of joking a little or so and seeing polly heard me with more attentiveness than i expected i was encouraged to proceed and so now i recollect it came about but she is innocent for me and i don't know how that came about neither for we were out one moonlight night in the garden walking about and afterwards took a nap of two hours as i believe, in the summer-house in the little garden being overpowered with sleep for i would make her lay her head upon my breast till before we were aware we fell asleep but before that we had agreed on what you discovered this is the whole truth and all the intimacies we ever had to speak of but i believe we should have been better acquainted had you not luckily for me i prevented it by being at home when we thought you abroad for i was to come to her when she hemmed two or three times for having made a contract you know madam it was natural enough to take the first occasion to put it in force poor polly i pity her too don't think the worse of her dear madam so as to turn her away because it may be her ruin i don't desire to see her i might have been drawn in to do strange foolish things and been ruined at the long run for who knows where this thing might have ended my uncle would have never seen me my father too his lordship you have heard madam is a very cross man and never loved me much mought have cut off the entail my aunt would have despised me and scorned me i should have been her foolish fellow in earnest not in jest as now you would have resented it and mr b who knows mought have called me to account but can you forgive me you see how happy i am in my disappointment i did not think to write so much for i don't love it but on this occasion know not how to leave off i hope you can read my letter i know i write a clumsy hand and spell most lamentably for i never had a talent for these things i was readier by half to admire the orchard robbing picture in lily's grammar than any other part of the book but hey whether am i running i never writ to you before and never may again unless you or mr b command it for your service So pray excuse me madam i know i need give no advice to polly to take care of first encouragements poor girl she might have suffered sadly as well as i for if my father and my uncle and aunt had required me to turn her off you know it would have been undutiful to have refused them notwithstanding our bargain and want of duty to them would have been to have added fault to fault as you once observed i remember that one fault never comes alone but draws after it generally five or six to hide or vindicate it and they every one perhaps as many more each i shall never forget several of your wise sayings i have been vexed may i be hanged if i have not many a time that i could not make such observations as you make who am so much older too and a man besides and a peer's son and a peer's nephew but my talents lie another way and by that time my father dies i hope to improve myself in order to cut such a figure as may make me be no disgrace to my name or country well but what is all this to the purpose i will keep close to my text and that is to thank you good madam for all the favours i have received in your house to thank you for disappointing me and for convincing me in so kind yet so shaming a manner how wrong i was in the matter of that there polly and for not exposing my folly to anybody but myself for i should have been ready to hang myself if you had and to beg your pardon for it assuring you that i will never offer the like as long as i breathe i am madam with the greatest respect your most obliged most faithful and most obedient humble servant j h pray excuse blots and blurs well miss darnford what shall we say to this fine letter you'll allow it to be an original i hope yet may be not for it may be as well written and as sensible a letter as this class of people generally write mr h dresses well is not a contemptible figure of a man laughs talks where he can be heard and his aunt is not present and cuts to use his own word a considerable figure in a country town but see yet i will not say what i might he is lord davers's nephew and if he makes his observations and forbears his speeches i mean can be silent and only laugh when he sees somebody of more sense laugh and never approve or condemn but in leading-strings he may possibly pass in a crowd of gentlemen but poor poor polly barlow what can i say for polly barlow i have a time in view when my papers may fall under the inspection of a dear gentleman to whom next to god i am accountable for all my actions and correspondences so i will either write an account of the matter and seal it up separately for mr b or at a fit opportunity break it to him and let him know under secrecy if he will promise it the steps i took in it lest something arise hereafter when i cannot answer for myself to render anything dark or questionable in it a method i believe very proper to be taken by every married lady and i presume the rather to say so having had a good example for it for i have often thought of a little sealed-up parcel of papers my lady made me burn in her presence about a month before she died they are pamela said she such as would not concern me let who will see them could they know the springs and causes of them but for want of a clue my son might be at a loss what to think of several of those letters were he to find them in looking over my other papers when i am no more let me add that nothing could be more endearing than our parting with our noble guests my lady repeated her commands for what she often engaged me to promise that is to say to renew the correspondence begun between us so much as she was pleased to say to her satisfaction i could not help showing her ladyship who was always inquiring after my writing employment most of what passed between you and me she admires you much and wished mr h had more wit that was her word she should in that case she said be very glad to set on foot a treaty between you and him but that i fancy can never be tolerable to you and i only mention it en passant there's a frenchwoman for you the countess was full of her kind wishes for my happiness and my lady davers told me that if i could give her timely notice she would be present on a certain occasion but my dear miss what could i say i know nothing of the matter only i am a sad coward and have a thousand anxieties which i cannot mention to anybody but if i have such in the honourable estate of matrimony what must those poor souls have who are seduced and have all manner of reason to apprehend that the crime shall be followed by a punishment so natural to it a punishment in kind as i may say which if it only ends in forfeiture of life following the forfeiture of fame must be thought merciful and happy beyond expectation for how shall they lay claim to the hope given to persons in their circumstances that they shall be saved in childbearing since the condition is if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety now my honoured mother and my dear miss darnford since i am upon this affecting subject does not this text seem to give a comfortable hope to a good woman who shall thus die of being happy in the divine mercies for the apostle in the context says that he suffers not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man but to be in silence and what is the reason he gives why a reason that is a natural consequence of the curse on the first disobedience that she shall be in subjection to her husband for says he adam was not deceived but the woman being deceived was in the transgression as much as to say had it not been for the woman adam had kept his integrity and therefore her punishment shall be as it is said i will greatly multiply thy sorrow in thy conception in sorrow shall thou bring forth children and thy husband shall rule over thee but nevertheless if thou shalt not survive the sharpness of thy sorrow thy death shall be deemed to be such an alleviation of thy part of the entailed transgression that thou shalt be saved if thou hast continued in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety this my honoured parents and my dear friend is my paraphrase and i reap no small comfort from it when i meditate upon it but i shall make you as serious as myself and my dear friend perhaps frighten you from entering into a state in which our poor sex suffer so much from the bridal morning let it rise as gaily as it will upon a thoughtful mind to that affecting circumstance throughout its whole progression for which nothing but a tender a generous and a worthy husband can make them any part of amends but a word or two more as to the parting with our honoured company i was a little indisposed and they all would excuse me against my will from attending them in the coach some miles which their dear brother did both ladies most tenderly saluted me twice or thrice apiece folding their kind arms about me and wishing my safety and health and charging me to think little and hope much for they saw me thoughtful at times though i endeavoured to hide it from them my lord davers said with a goodness of temper that is peculiar to him my dearest sister may god preserve you and multiply your comforts i shall pray for you more than ever i did for myself though i have so much more need of it i must leave you but i leave one whom i love and honour next to lady davers and ever shall mr h looked consciously silly i can say nothing madam but saluting me that i shall never forget your goodness to me i had before in mrs jervis's parlour taken leave of mrs Worden and mrs leslie my ladies women they each stole a hand of mine and kissed it begging pardon for the freedom but i answered taking each by her hand and kissing her i shall always think of you with pleasure my good friends for you have encouraged me constantly by your presence in my private duties and may god bless you and the worthy families you so laudably serve as well for your sakes as their own they turned away with tears and mrs worden would have said something to me but could not only both taking mrs jervis by the hand happy mrs jervis said they almost in a breath and happy i too repeated i in my mrs jervis and in such kind well-wishers as mrs worden and mrs leslie wear this mrs Worden. wear this mrs leslie for my sake and to each i gave a ring with a crystal and brilliance set about it which mr b had bought a week before for this purpose he has a great opinion of both the good folks and often praises their prudence and quiet and respectful behaviour to everybody so different from the impertinence that was his word of most ladies women who are favourites mrs jervis said i have enjoyed many happy hours in your conversation mrs Worden and mrs leslie i shall miss you very much i must endeavour said i taking her hand to make it up to you my good friend as well as i can and of late we have not had so many opportunities together as i should have wished had i not been so agreeably engaged as you know so we must each try to comfort the other when we have lost I such noble and you such worthy companions mrs jervis's honest heart before touched by the parting showed itself at her eyes wonder not said i to the two gentlewomen wiping with my handkerchief her venerable cheeks that i always thus endeavour to dry up all my good mrs jervis's tears and then i kissed her thinking of you my dear mother and i was forced to withdraw a little abruptly lest i should be too much moved myself for had our departing company inquired into the occasion they would perhaps have thought it derogatory though i should not to my present station and too much retrospecting to my former i could not in conversation between mr b and myself when i was gratefully expatiating upon the amiable characters of our noble guests and of their behaviour and kindness to me help observing that i had little expected from some hints which formerly dropped from mr b to find my good lord davers so polite and so sensible a man he is a very good-natured man replied mr b i believe i might once or twice drop some disrespectful words of him but it was the effect of passion at the time and with a view to two or three points of his conduct in public life for which i took the liberty to find fault with him and received very unsatisfactory excuses one of these i remember was in a conference between a committee of each house of parliament in which he behaved in a way i could not wish from a man so nearly allied to me by marriage for all he could talk of was the dignity of their house when the reason of the thing was strong with the other and it fell to my lot to answer what he said which i did with some asperity and this occasioned a coolness between us for some time but no man makes a better figure in private life than lord davers especially now that my sister's good sense has got the better of her passions and she can behave with tolerable decency towards him for once pamela it was not so the violence of her spirit making him appear in a light too little advantageous either to his quality or merit but now he improves upon me every time i see him you know not my dear what a disgrace a haughty and passionate woman brings upon her husband and upon herself too in the eyes of her own sex as well as ours nay even those ladies who would be as glad of dominion as she if they might be permitted to exercise it despise others who do and the man most who suffers it and let me tell you said the dear man with an air that showed he was satisfied with his own conduct in this particular that you cannot imagine how much a woman owes to her husband as well with regard to her own peace of mind as to both their reputations however it may go against the grain with her sometimes if he be a man who has discretion to keep her encroaching passions under a genteel and reasonable control how do you like this doctrine miss i'll warrant you believe that i could do no less than drop mr b one of my best curtsies in acknowledgment of my obligation to him for so considerately preserving to me my peace of mind and my reputation as well as his own in this case but after all when one duly weighs the matter what he says may be right in the main for i have not been able to contradict him partial as i am to my sex when he has pointed out to me instances in the behaviour of certain ladies who like children the more they have been humoured the more humoursome they have grown which must have occasioned as great uneasiness to themselves as to their husbands will you excuse me my dear this is between ourselves for i did not own so much to mr b for one should not give up one's sex you know if one can help it for the men will be as apt to impose as the women to encroach i doubt well but here my honest parents and my dear miss darnford at last i end my journal wise letters as i may call them our noble guests being gone and our time and employments rolling on in much the same manner as in past days of which i have given an account i am my dearest father and mother and best beloved miss darnford your dutiful and affectionate p b End of letter 38.